foodie. 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 Not a Foodie Studio, which is actually in a real studio today, not just my dining room table in Queens. It's the Not a Foodie Podcast. Yay! A real soundproof professional studio. I know. It sounds great, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. It's been a while. Mike Moranti is with me, as always, as my uh, knowledgeable and awesome co-host. So, Mike, where are we today? We're at the Radio Rampa studio in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Yeah, shout out to Radio Rampa. They um, have given us the studio for the day, and um, we're uh, we're excited to be here. We're really happy to to have you know sort of a, a professional feel. So you know, let us know in the comments uh, if this sounds better than previous episodes, because I'm sure it sounds it better to, to me like yeah. a thousand times better. Um, so Mike, it's been, it's been a few months. We've been on hiatus. So I guess is this season two, like season two. Sure. This is the beginning of season two of the Not A Foodie podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And what better way to start season two of a food podcast than to talk about like the best food holiday, uh, in the United States or in the world. Yeah, by far. So Thanksgiving, this is, this is Thanksgiving episode. We did a Thanksgiving episode last year, um, and it was it was awesome, um, but I think we really wanted to to talk a little bit about um, first of all why Thanksgiving's awesome. Second of all, uh, more of a prep, right? Like, what yeah, do we want to so, do for Thanksgiving? So last year we talked about like our favorite things, right? This year's how to Thanksgiving. Sounds good. Yeah, how yeah. to Thanksgiving like a like a home cook. <laughs> so why do you like Thanksgiving? Uh family and food. Family and food. I, I I'm not really a big football. I'm not from a football family at all. Okay. I'm probably the only football fan in a, on any degree in my family. Um, so it's not football. It's only food and family. It's it's one of those um very distinctive American holidays that you know what is there? There's the Fourth of July and then there's Thanksgiving. Those are like the American holidays. Yeah, and. I I love it personally because um, because it is just about being together, eating a meal, and no pressure to do anything else. Like you eat a meal, you I mean, in my family, we fall asleep on the couch and watch Drunk. football, and yeah, we have we have a little bit to drink. Um, you know, starting at around nine a.m. when the you know when we're working on our turkey, and uh, and and that's it. But what I what I love in general about Thanksgiving um, and its Americanness is that it's one of those holidays where every culture of the, you know, the melting pot that is the United States celebrates it differently. So I've talked to friends of mine who are Korean American who um, make uh, like, what is it? What is it? Uh, kimchi, like mac and cheese casserole. Oh, which is, I'm, I'm all in on that. Totally, what, whatever right? that is, I'm I'm all in on that. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I I have another friend of mine um is of Middle Eastern origin and she always had this uh this stuffing that was filled with like uh basmati rice and Persian sort of spices like dried fruits and things like that. Um I have another friend of mine who's, you know, Puerto Rican, um Mofango? Uh, no, no, pernil. There's always oh. a pernil. If, if 
You guys I'm don't also know what a all in on pernil. Yeah, pernil is just <laughs> awesome roast pork. So you know, shoulder pork shoulder. Yes, but it's slow roasted for hours and hours and hours. And what they always did in this family was they felt like obligated to have their Thanksgiving turkey, and they did, and they had that sort of for sort of like a late lunch. Then they watched football, and then like. For a late, late dinner, almost like a midnight dinner, there the pernil would come out, and you know all the Puerto Rican dishes would come out. So, I what I love about Thanksgiving is what it has evolved into in this country. Yeah, I mean, is, you know, from everything from like the Italian American side, there's always some sort of pasta, spaghetti I, yeah. meatballs, or lasagna, or stuffed shells, just some big ziti, something Italian American is always. On that table for me. I think for me, the Italian-American, because I grew up Italian-American, Italian, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, number one, there's always a, an antipasti. There's always mm-hmm. like a cheese board of meats and, you know, there's like, um, you know, suprasad and gabagol and, you know, all, all the good stuff. That's that's your appetizer. That's just there. Um, sausage bread. Sausage bread was something. Sausage or bread for lar- us was always lard a little. bread. Yeah, something like that. Bread. That was more of a Christmas thing for us. But um, sausage bread, yeah. Um, there was always a pasta course. I think over the years we've stopped with the uh, with the pasta course just because we we felt like it was just too much. Um, but there was that's just the way that it was. Like that's how I grew up is that there are very very Italian sort of flavors. And for me, I mean, I and I'll, I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast. Really, like my favorite food, the best thing that I ever ate is my grandfather's recipe for Italian Thanksgiving stuffing. And it's, you know, Italian bread and salami and mushrooms and cheese and butter all fried into this, you know, semi-congealed mass. And it's awesome. It's almost like a casserole instead of a, a, you know, a traditional stuffing. But, I mean, I remember dating people in college and insisting that I bring um, the Thanksgiving stuffing because I could not go one year without having this stuffing. And still, to this day, I switch um, Thanksgivings between my family and my wife's family, and uh, my wife's family is zero percent Italian. But I always bring the stuffing because I have, have to have to. I have to have this bite of stuffing. And <laughs> do you make it like I make during it during the year? I make it every year. No, no, no. Besides Thanksgiving, do you no. ever just whip it up. No, it's one of those things where um, I make a whole bunch of it and I gorge myself on it for like three days so that I'm sick of it um, until the, next, until year the next year comes. Like right now. We are, uh, you know, we're recording this a week away from Thanksgiving, and I'm my mouth is watering thinking about the stuffing. But if you were going to ask me about it two weeks from now, I would be like, oh, that that stuffing is just too heavy. It's disgusting. You can't ever have it. <laughs> so you know, you need like a year <laughs> just to get back into the into the flow. Um, but anyway, like the, the traditional Thanksgiving, and first of all, Thanksgiving wasn't really a thing. I don't. Did you know the history of Thanksgiving? Like, like the, the how Native it started. American history. Of yeah, no, it started with um, it started murder? during the Civil War. Well, everything in American <laughs> yeah. history starts with murder, <laughs> right? <laughs> Gentrification. No, it's um, it started with the Civil War. It was uh, um, I forget the woman's name. Um, oh, I have it. She's uh, she wrote Mary Had a Little Lamb. Sarah Hale. Sarah Hale was a um, she was like the author of like um. What would you consider the top fashion magazine? Like Vogue. Vogue? She's like the Anna Winter Winterter Winter her mm-hmm. whatever her name is of like of Winter? her day. Yes, yeah. she's that person of her day, and she 
um, she decided that she wanted to have this holiday where everyone got together. Before that, you know, there are accounts of the Thanksgiving that we sort of understand that we learned about where, you know, pilgrims and Native Americans got together and did this whole thing that, you know, part of that we took from that story and turned it into this one day to be thankful. But it was it was really just around the Civil War. It was around uniting. And um, of course, the South decided that they weren't going to celebrate Thanksgiving and for a while because they they thought of it as a northern holiday. Like, you know, we you can't force these on us. But you know what I find ironic is I think that the South does a really great Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure um, the the deep fried turkey came from probably came from the, the South. I mean, you deep fry anything the, it comes from the South. When you take it outside, the pressure fryer. Yeah. yeah, I have never. Well, I have never personally deep fried a turkey. I am not a fan of the deep fried turkey. I feel like if you make a turkey properly in an oven, there's no need to deep fry it. I am a fan of spectacle and blow torches and fire and using things that you shouldn't using unconventional methods, as Mike can attest to, like watching me cook a steak with a blow torch and sears all. Yeah, <laughs> so so I I respect the deep fried turkey, but I don't respect it as a the only means of having a really good flavored turkey. I just love southern comfort food. Yeah, like so I'm. Well, and you think about it, like like a lot of the harvest stuff that comes around this time of year, that's, you know, on Thanksgiving table. So sweet potatoes, this is the time of year that you get your sweet potatoes. Um, and that is a very Southern thing. Like the way that I create, the way that I make my sweet potatoes, uh, I just smother them in butter and sometimes mm-hmm. I'll put a little maple syrup because, you know, it's a New England thing. And then sometimes I'll, you know, put a little bourbon in there because it's a Southern thing and, you know, and that'll be it. But. So, so let's get to Thanksgiving now. Okay, great. But but not the day of, not the Thursday of, the right. Wednesday before. Oh, I mean, I've, what are, what are we prepping? What what's what if, are you doing? If you're starting your Thanksgiving prep the Wednesday before, you're gonna have a really bad Thanksgiving. So you're not doing anything the night before. No, I'm doing stuff a week before. A week? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so. So what are you doing this coming Thursday? <laughs> so if you're so this tomorrow this year I am going to this year is one of my years where I'm traveling. So I am just a stuffing person. That's just you know my thing. Um, so let's start with that. Let's start with the make ahead things. Yeah. So make ahead things um, for me the stuffing is absolutely one of those things that I make ahead. Um, I'll. I usually do that 24 hours. So that's 24 hours in advance. I um, fry up all the ingredients and put it in uh, usually a Ziploc bag or some sort of like, you know, bake or baking safe container, transport it so I can just pop it in an oven somewhere. There's enough madness going around on Thanksgiving. Like I don't want to have to contribute to, you know, being a person in a kitchen taking up space. So I, I get that done wherever I'm going. I make it as simple as possible. Or I can just pop it in the oven and that'll be that. I've I've actually even done it on people's barbecue grills where um, just close it and let it close it do indirect heat like let something roast on the grill um, just to heat up. I mean, a grill is just an outdoor oven if you treat it properly, if you do, you know, indirect heat and don't put the fire directly underneath your your oven safe uh, baking where it's it's a perfectly fine substitute for an oven um, when you're reheating things. So I do the stuffing in advance, but really. Um, the other thing that I like to do in advance, and I'm not doing it this year because, like I said, I'm traveling. I do um, turkey stock. 
So I don't, I don't like, I mean, always make your own gravy, right? And mm -hmm. the, the base of a really good gravy is good stock. Um, and if you're going to use the boxed stop, uh, boxed stock, <laughs> stock from the supermarket, um, that's better than, that's better than nothing, but I really like to make my own stock for, um, for Thanksgiving. And I like to use, um, turkey wings, really like collagen rich sort of pieces of the turkey. Um, and I roast those for, you know, usually like 40 minutes at like a low, like a 300 degrees. Um, I buy just pounds of turkey wings, roast them, and then throw them in a stock pot with some water and some vegetables, some aromatics. And I boil that down for hours and hours and hours until I have a few, like a gallon of like really good um, turkey stock. So I'll do that ahead of time. And sometimes I'll do that, you know, a week before. It'll keep for a week yeah, yeah. in the fridge. Yeah, you in the freezer or whatever, too. Yeah. So I, I'll do that, you know, way ahead of time. Um, plus, it's just, it's awesome to have your whole house smell like like a Thanksgiving dinner for, uh, for a week. <laughs> so I do that ahead of time. I do the stuffing ahead of time. You know, pies you can do ahead of time, things like that. Pie, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to it later, but if I'm hosting Thanksgiving, the only thing I want people to bring is dessert. And Italian stuffing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> if you're coming over, Italian stuffing. But otherwise, I don't want anyone cooking anything and right. only bring dessert. <laughs> um, so let's see. Now I, I've made my go-ahead stuff, my make-ahead stuff. Um, so I will, I will say that the night before mm -hmm. – um, it used to be two days before I would brine my turkey. That's when I would start brining, was two days ahead. Um, I do not brine my turkey anymore. What I do is I do a, well, I don't do a wet brine anymore. I do a dry brine. Um, and that takes less time. I feel like it gives it more intense flavor. Is it a dry brine, just a dry rub? It is. So when you're brining a turkey, what you're doing is it's, you know, science and osmosis. You're taking a whole bunch of aromatics and a whole bunch of flavors and you're putting it in salt water and you're hoping that the turkey um, absorbs that water and with it, whatever spices are within that water. So I do an apple cider brine for when I'm doing like pork um, during the fall so that the pork takes on like sort of a very fall apple garlic flavor. Um, when I'm doing a turkey... What I, what I like to do is I do the dry, dry brine because I feel like it doesn't sacrifice the crispiness of the skin. When you put the, um, the turkey in a wet brine, it's harder to get a crispy skin um, because the skin sort of becomes rubbery. It, absor it absorbs a lot of water so it doesn't roast out to like that nice, really crisp where you can like hit it with a spoon and it'll crackle sort of crust. When you do a dry brine, which is basically just a highly concentrated um, rub of salt and aromatics. So it's a dry rub. It, it's a dry rub, but it's got more salt in it. Okay. So a, a traditional barbecue dry rub is usually heavy in brown sugar and, and things mm -hmm. like this. This is more salt. Yeah. And then what you're going to do is you're going to wash this down afterwards. So you get a whole bunch of salt. Sometimes I'll do it in a, with a mortar and pestle. I'll put some garlic and some rosemary and put it all, I'll get it all smushed up and then rub it all over the bird. Um, and then leave it in the fridge just, just overnight is totally mm -hmm. fine. Uncovered overnight. So air can get at it. Um, and that's it. There's your dry brine. You just wipe it off when you're, when you're done and pop it in the oven. Okay. 
So now Thanksgiving Day, morning of, mm-hmm. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. I'm watching the parade. I'm yeah. having eggnog with a little bourbon in it, maybe. Starting early, okay. Starting early, because I know that I've got a lot of a lot of cooking to do ahead of me. Um, no, honestly, I have gotten it down to a place where I feel like you don't have to spend the whole day roasting a turkey um, because I am a big fan of the spatchcocked turkey. Um, you know, what is spat- a spatchcock? I know what it is. <laughs> Way to feed it to me, Mike. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what is the spatchcock turkey? <laughs> so spat- I, just say it again. Spatchcock. Spatchcock. Yeah. It, first of all, it's the greatest, greatest culinary term. Um, it's basically butterflying a turkey. And I do it with chicken all the time on the grill. Um, but with turkey, it, um, it does a couple of different things. You know, first of all, you, what you're doing, technically, you're cutting out the backbone and you're flattening the turkey down in one, like, nice flat piece. What that does is it creates an even surface for the heat to get around, so it cooks a lot faster. Um, it also creates more surface <laughs> area for, um, for the bird to crisp. So Can you still stuff it when it's spatchcocked? Never stuff a turkey. Never stuff a turkey and put it in the oven. People, people who are Thanksgiving purists that say the stuffing has to be cooked in the bird are going to get trigonosis and die. <laughs> you do, it's unsafe. It's been proven for forever for the past 30, 40 years that you should not cook the, the stuffing inside the bird because um, you're not going to get trigonosis. you get salmonella and die. Um, because, first of all, it makes it really, really hard. It makes the turkey really dense, and it makes it very hard to cook evenly. So you, what, what, ha- what ends up happening is one of two things. Either the whole turkey is done and safe to eat, and the outside is dry like <laughs> dust, or the, you have a nice juicy turkey and the inside is raw. Either it's terrible or it kills you. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's it. So never, ever, ever, just from a food safety standpoint, you don't, you're not supposed to stuff the bird. So first of all, yes, from a food safety standpoint. Second of all, from a, just a general deliciousness standpoint, it does not really do too much. If you want to have turkey flavor in your stuffing, put a little of my famous turkey stock that you made, you know, a week ago, put that in your stuffing. That'll give you the turkey flavor inside your stuffing. Everyone's just going to pour a bunch of gravy on top of the stuffing. Yeah. So it doesn't even matter. Exactly. So... When you're spatchcocking a turkey, there's no opportunity <laughs> to even stuff it. So, so there you go. Don't even worry about it. Um, but yeah, so you spatchcock the turkey. You cut the backbone out. You flatten it. Make it as flat as possible. What I do is I put it on um, a baking sheet, and I have like um, like a cookie cooling rack. Mm-hmm. Um, just, a know, just a little cooling tray, rack. Yeah. Yeah. So I put that down. I put the turkey on top of it. Um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll slice some aromatics, like I'll slice some onions or throw it you know, just throw it underneath the rack mm-hmm. or throw it like on, you know, right between the turkey and the rack just to sort of impart some flavor into the turkey. Um, so because it's spatchcocked and because you don't have to cook this gigantic mass that's, you know, this this big ball of, you know, turkey, um, everything is uh, everything is thinner. It's like a, you know, a thinner surface when you're talking about um, – the tray and the turkey. So everything cooks a lot faster. So I, I think, oh, I, I don't know the exact time. How, how big is this turkey that you're doing? If you're, if you're having people over for Thanksgiving, is this like a 30 pound turkey? Is this an 18 pound turkey? Last year I did, I have two ovens. Um, I think we did two uh, at, at my mm-hmm. house. At least we did two 18 pound turkeys. So you did almost 40 pounds of turkey. Yeah. Okay. And I think they were done in two and a half hours. Okay. 
Yeah, because you spatchcock and you let it sit. At 350 or? Um, I started out at a high heat and then go down to mm. a lower temperature. You know, usually um, you want the skin to be nice and crisp. crisp. So you start off at a very high heat and then go down low. Um it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over exact techniques on how yeah. to roast because I feel like there are so many really good techniques out there as far as you know what temperature and how high to to start it or whether you're gonna start low and go high or whether you're gonna start high and then go low. Um, when we go low, they go high or whatever it <laughs> is. <laughs> but um, what I will say is spatchcock and just just look it up. Look it up. Um, the food lab does a great. Uh, they have a great tutorial on how to spatchcock a chicken and how to spatchcock a turkey for Thanksgiving. Um, any food writer that I know, any food specialist, any food recipe tester, once they realize that spatchcocking a chicken or a turkey is uh, how easy it is and how flavorful it is, no one has gone back yeah. to doing it regular. I mean, the only reason that people go back to doing it or that, that people want to roast the whole turkey is because they want that Norman Rockwell sort of... For the gram. Yeah, yeah, right? It looks like it's a nice, you know, giant turkey, you know, that, that looks like a Norman Rockwell painting. But really, when you spatchcock it, it makes it easier to carve. It's everything. It's everything. So, anyway, so there we go. There's my turkey. Um, and then after the turkey is carved, um, what I'll do is, or after, when the turkey's resting, I take the drippings, put them in a pan... And put some flour mm -hmm. in and make a roux. Um, after the turkey is carved, I take all of the juices that form on the cutting board and put that in the roux. And then I use my turkey stock to uh, mix it all up and make some gravy. A roux is equal parts butter and or fat. flour. Fat and flour, fat yeah. And flour. So the fat, instead of using butter, it's we turkey. use turkey fat. Yeah. And turkey stock to, to sort of thin it out and turn it into the gravy that we all know and love. I mean, gravy... I think gravy isn't a, gravy just a roux with yeah yeah it's roux with stock yeah and I think it's the most flavorful and most awesome thing on the on the dinner plate for Thanksgiving except for my grandfather's Italian stuffing recipe um, but gravy I would just I, I would drink gravy I do drink gravy it's That's disgusting gross. it's disgusting but awesome all right so we have our spatchcock turkey mm -hmm. possibly two turkeys we have our Italian stuffing yes we have our gravy yep. Uh, mashed potatoes, cream spinach. Uh, what what other sides are we doing? We don't usually do a creamed spinach. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for years we always did some sort of green bean dish. Um, just a never Midwest, a green bean, never a Midwest a green bean casserole. No, no, never a green bean casserole. Um, but we always just had some string beans or something like that on the table. I feel like now um, I'll I'll look and just see what it's what's fresh. At the market, we'll take that and do it, with some exceptions. Um, Kristen's side of the family, my wife's side of the family, they're New England, as New England can be, so they have um, creamed pearl onions, which is a very New England sort of traditional Thanksgiving mm. side. Um, that's always a side that's there. Um, we, I'm not a traditionalist when it comes to the vegetables, yeah. but there's always something green. There's always a, a nice green, fresh vegetable that's simply prepared because there's enough going on yeah. on your plate. So, like, simple. I usually try to cut it with, like, a little bit of um, of acid, so, like, a little lemon juice or vinegar or something just, be, again, because there's so much fat on your plate and so many, like, heavy flavors that the vegetable, um, if you put a little acid on it, a little, you know, vinegar or something like that, cuts through it good um there's always a potato yep mashed or smashed or roasted or fried Kristen's side of the family does 
these, um, they call them yam cookies, which are basically yams that are sliced um, into little discs, little mm-hmm. cookies, and they fry them in butter, and they are delicious. So and those are sweet potato fries. It, they're sweet potato discs yeah. that are fried with, you know, in mm-hmm. brown butter. I think sometimes there's a little sugar on top of them. They're, we can call them yam cookies. Yeah, they're yeah. yam cookies. Because <laughs> yams and sweet potatoes are different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a sweet potato mash usually. With uh, mar- marshmallows? No. Oh, thank God. Okay. No, yeah. never. Never. I never, you know, fell into that. Um, marshmallows that, don't go in anything. Marshmallows were a, uh, again, my food anthropology sort of background. Marshmallows were invented and pushed on the public because people couldn't um, whip cream. Like, people would make these sweet potato pies with whipped cream on top, and it was like, well... Why whip cream? You know, advertising to the housewife. Why why whip cream for hours when you can just buy marshmallow fluff to put on top? And that all of a sudden became like a big part of Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think it's disgusting. I think I would have crushed marketing in like the 50s. <laughs> it's, why? How? It's because it just wasn't good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It got people to buy people to buy marshmallows. There's a whole industry. <laughs> um, so and then usually we'll do some sort of a squash. Um, and I like to do a squash that has, uh, either a butternut squash or just an acorn squash, something that's roasted Mm -hmm. and then mixed with some butter and a little maple syrup. I feel like the maple syrup, you know, you're eating so many things that are so heavy, like, uh, squash with maple syrup is almost seems light at the time. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like dessert. but But it's a nice little sort of respite from all of the crazy savoriness that you, that you've got, you know, on the plate. It's just a little bit of something there. Nice. Um, so let's see. What else? I mean, I like... Are you, if you're cooking, are you making everything? Or is mom coming over with something? Are friends coming over with things? Or are you saying, no, just bring some booze? Usually, I'll people will ask, you know, what can mm-hmm. I bring? Um, I'll say desserts. You can bring an antipasto or, um, or you can bring a side, but you have to tell me what the side is. And I have to approve it. Yeah. <laughs> It's not so much whether or not I approve it, but it's, you yes, know. it is. It's what part, of the, what part of the table does it go on? Maybe it's, you know, in the corner so no one can really see it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I ask for all the help that I can get. Uh, I usually, like Kristen will usually, my wife will usually take care of the, the squash, um, sometimes the potatoes. I'm usually dealing with turkey and gravy. Um, you know, I, it's... There's a lot of little things going on, and one of the best investments, um, and I didn't, I got it as a gift, so I don't know if that's technically an investment, but I got a little induction burner, um, which basically it's a little, you know, non-flame sort of. Um, are you familiar with them? It's so it's it's a Explain hot plate. It. It's okay. a hot plate, but it, the hot the plate doesn't get hot. It uses induction to create heat in whatever you put on top of it. So you put a metal most metal pots and pans these days. Mm-hmm. Um, work with induction burners. So what's nice about it is that you can take the induction burner and put it off in a corner someplace and plug it in. And if people want to heat things up, if people want, you know, to, to help, you can tell them, okay, there's a burner over there. Just go over and, you know, get, out of, yourself out. get the hell out of my kitchen is basically what I'm saying to people. You, your mom loves Manhattans, right? Yes. So Manhattans are my uh, wow. That's a that's a good segue. What are we drinking on yeah. Thanksgiving? So I would say I start the day usually with a little eggnog while watching the parade. 
Um, and then when we're cooking, when, when I'm cooking, when I'm not drinking. Eat. Oh, really? I'm not drinking because I know it's a marathon, right? So I'm usually not drinking, but as soon as people show up, um, and this is when, when we're hosting Thanksgiving, Manhattans are made. As soon as I don't have to use a knife, I'm drinking. No, I'm, <laughs> my knife skills are at that point where <laughs> I'm, I'm better with, with a couple <laughs> drinks in me when I'm using my knife. Um, I, uh, yeah, no, I think as soon as people show up, my wife is, my, you know, we, we started the not a foodie hashtag and my wife always, um, responds whenever there's a picture of a cocktail with the hashtag perfect wife and bartender, because I don't mix drinks cause I'm usually cooking. She's the one who mixes drinks and she really is like, she mixes drinks for everybody. And she's always got a cot when we're having a dinner party, she's always got like a cocktail that she, you know, a theme cocktail for the evening. Thanksgiving and Christmas during the holidays, it's Manhattans, and she will make Manhattans for everyone. Um, rest of the time, it's martinis. You know, people show up, it's martinis. But you know, cold weather, brown liquor—that's what we want. We want bourbon, rye cocktails. So the Manhattan for dinner, usually there's a wine. Um, usually it's a Pinot Noir. Um, yeah, well, when I was working uh, wine retail mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving. Pinot Noir Riesling, Pinot Noir Riesling, Pinot Noir Riesling. That's it. That's all I'm going to recommend to you. That's all your. That's the only reason why you're here, unless they're like, I want to bring a nice bottle to someone, and then it would be like Barolo, Barbaresco. But otherwise, Pinot Noir. Riesling. Yeah, and and I grew up Italian Thanksgiving drinking, you know, the Italian wines, and I couldn't you tell were you drinking whether, Chianti. I was drinking Chianti in, with uh, the. <laughs> I know what you're the talking straw. about. The straw. You're drinking the, yeah, the Chianti in the straw the, thing. Yeah. The basket weaved uh-huh. around the outside of it. You know, the stuff that you put a candle in when you're done. Yep, that's what you guys um, were drinking. We were drinking that. And I think we were Carlo explained... Rossi jugs. <laughs> I've explained to you the uh, the cream soda, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My that's grandfather the... would pour wine into my cream soda when I was, you know, th- in kindergarten. And that's how I started. And that's the kind of wine that he would pour into cream soda. I... Crappy wine. <laughs> when I first got a job at a wine shop, I was like 20. So I was, like, bringing wine over to my family. And then I saw, like, I was bringing, like, you know, $20 bottles, something nice that I can afford. But they were all adding soda to it. I was like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> so now I just go and I buy, like, a couple, uh, I buy magnums of, like. Oh, yeah. Uh, Opachi. Yeah, or, or something like Black that. Cat or whatever. I'm just like, here, add all the soda you want. If anyone wants good wine, here, but you can't add soda to it. Well, that's we we always have three or four bottle. Well, three or four bottles. It depends on how many people. Yeah. We always have really nice wine that goes with the turkey. Um, it's usually a Pinot Noir, sometimes a Cobb Franc, sometimes you know, like uh, sometimes other things, but mostly it's it's in that sort of family. And then we never do dessert wine because in my family we do espresso and sort of like the Viennese hour. <laughs> There's always like. The you know the Italian liqueurs come out and the amaras come out and and things like that. How many pies? Oh, too many, right? There's oh, always, always too, too many. many. There's like twelve people and Aunt Marie's baking nine pies and she's like, I bake too many pies. I'm like, yeah, yes, Aunt Marie, you, you like you knew how many people were gonna be here. There's always too many pies. I remember a couple years ago we came to a breaking point where we realized that there were 1.5 pies per per person around the table. So there were something, you know, 20 people and there were 30 pies. And no one needs the chocolate pudding pie. No, I mean... That's the worst pie. And no one needs to have five different versions of pumpkin pie. Or apple. Or apple pie. You don't need... One apple pie is enough. I mean, we like to have, you know, a little variety. So we usually have like an apple, 
a pumpkin. Maybe coconut there's a, cream. you know, we don't do coconut cream. Sometimes we do, I guess, but we, that's not like a tradition. But, you know, the apple, the pumpkin, which are sort of the traditional pies. And then, you know, that should be it, I feel. Um, but, yeah, there's always too many pies. And I'm, you know, give me a cheese course over a pie course any day. I mean, give me pie over cake any day. I'm a pie fan. But, I, I mean, I'd rather have something savory. And usually for dessert, I'm going back into the fridge and grabbing a turkey sandwich. So <laughs> that's where I sit with the pies. What about you and your family? Is there one pie that um, everybody Yeah, so, brings? well, my favorite pie is spinach artichoke pie. <laughs> there you go. So not, sorry, not spinach. It's just artichoke pie. Okay, it's it, my, but it's a savory pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's my absolute favorite thing. They do it for th- Christmas and they do it for Thanksgiving. And it's just like gut, Parmesan cheese, eggs, beaten, pie crust, baked. Do you want to hear something really interesting? And this is, again, my geeky food history sort of side. One of the things um, at the first Thanksgiving, by all accounts, was a three-day feast of venison, beef, mutton, pork, um, game birds. These are all things, things I would like eat. That. Like yeah. um, eels, oysters, like a lot of seafood because you think about it, it was on the coast of the New England. You know, was there, New England there was coast. a turtle that there was a turtle that was like the most decadent food back then. It's crazy. But so fast forward a couple hundred years to, you know, the 1800s when Thanksgiving sort of becomes a national holiday. One of the things that everybody eats um, is it's called a chicken pie. And so there were game birds at Thanksgiving. There wasn't a turkey. I don't know how the turkey came to symbolize Thanksgiving. Benjamin Franklin? Sure. I don't know. There's something. He wanted the turkey to be the American bird. Yeah, the national bird, right? Um, Could you imagine eating bald eagle on Thanksgiving? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if the turkey was the national bird of the United States, it'd be weird, right? Um, but no, chicken pie, uh, and I don't know what was in it. I'm going to have to look this up, but it was a whole bunch of different types of birds and like the most succulent pieces of these birds baked into a pie with a ton of butter and a really thick, like, it was like a pot pie, like chicken pot pie, but it was like a really decadent version of a chicken pot pie. And that was sort of a Thanksgiving staple for a couple hundred years. Like you look at, um, you look at accounts during the revolutionary or post-revolutionary times, and this is what people were eating. Um, when Thanksgiving wasn't really official, it was more sort of a loose form. Hey, we should all get together and give thanks for something. They would have this chicken pie. So I think I need to bring back the chicken pie. We should do that. I'm going to do it. Not That's a foodie it. does chicken pies. Not a foodie chicken pie. Traditional. We do a traditional Thanksgiving where, you know, we dress in loincloths and eat uh, venison. Uh, I'm, I'm cool with the venison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you – Tom was gifted half of a wild boar, essentially. Yes. Is any of that going to be uh, – are you going to throw some of that in your uh, stuffing? I don't know. I don't think I'm going to use that in the stuffing because I don't want to mess with perfection. But I was thinking of um, curing and smoking the boar or, or, or one of the hams of the boar to make a cured smoked ham and use that um, as sort of a day before Thanksgiving or day after Thanksgiving, you know, to mix in with some, some of the uh, turkey for sandwiches. Um, I am not confident that the boar is going to make the Thanksgiving plate, although my daughter I, like, we've been eating boar nonstop. We had boar bolognese. We had boar tacos the other night, you know, boar carnitas. And, and my, she's never had wild boar before. I mean, never. She, she, she said, she's a child. Yes, she's no, very young. She's, she's you know, going to be seven. And, and 
um, this weekend, and she she said, "Do we have to have turkey on Thanksgiving? Can we have boar instead?" <laughs> and, and I started thinking, you know, that's more like the first Thanksgiving than than turkey. Uh, they they likely had boar, but um, I'm not confident that it's going to make it because I just don't want to make something else. <laughs> for yeah, and you're also not hosting it. It's a right. different, right? Yeah. So, and how how do you end Thanksgiving? Like I, for me, my day ends. I feel like I decompress the minute I sit down at the table and start to eat because I've been prepping for, you know, for days. Mm -hmm. So, like, I sit down. I usually don't take care of dessert. Someone else takes care of dessert. I sit at my place on the table. Um, After the meal's over, I'll have a digestif or, you know, a bourbon or a scotch or something. And then I'll retreat and watch television and fall asleep on the couch. Like, that is how I end my Thanksgiving. So I would always drive to Long Island. Mm-hmm. So it'd be, you know, be pretty sober, drive home, say bye, give everyone a kiss on the cheek. You know, bye, Aunt Marie. Thank you for having me. It was great. I'll see you Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, now, I, since I moved into the city and I sold my car, now it's like, oh, I'm going to leave in like an hour or two. I start drinking very heavily. <laughs> and then I You drink heavily before you're getting ready no, to leave. Cause I, yeah, because now I'm just like, that's how I'm decompressing. Okay. Just drinking. <laughs> All right. Well, so so let's go over just some some quick pointers. Like what's your one like you I'm gonna ask you from okay. a wine point of view. Okay, from cool. a from a drinking point of view. Cause cause really, you know, you know more about wine than I do. Mm-hmm. And um you were very quick to agree on that. You're supposed yeah. to be like, no, you know, you know lots of I'm, I'm literally a wine professional. Yes. So <laughs> Mike, like what are give me give me Three wines. Give me like a good high end type of wine, a medium wine, and then like you know yeah. we talked a little bit about it, but like an everyday wine. Sure. So for Thanksgiving, um, I would go Barbaresco for mm-hmm. high end. With high end being like thirty ish dollars. Okay. Uh, I mean you can get hot. You can get really good Barbaresco for like fifty dollars. Um, it's it's the same. It's Nebbiolo. It's the same as a Brun, uh, Barolo, mm-hmm. but it's lighter. It's younger, and it um it'll has a little bit more acid. It's not as rich. Okay. So it'll go better with the With cuisine. all of the rich foods yeah. that, that you're having. Um, so that's Italian. Uh, medium body, or a step below, I would go uh, Burgundy, like true mm, nice. true yeah. French Burgundy. Um, I mean, Burgundies range from $20 to $500. Yeah. So, yeah. And then... Um, I agree. I didn't even... I've got some Burgundy at home that I would bust out. Yeah. yeah. For the turkey. And then also uh, Willamette Valley. Yeah. Uh, also Willamette Valley Pinot Gris from White. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 love Pinot Gris from Willamette Valley. I like their Riesling and stuff too. I like, it's probably my favorite wine producing region of in the States. I, I agree. In, that it's really interesting. There's yeah. a lot of good stuff coming out of there. Um, good Pinot Noir is good re- Pinot Gris. Yeah. Every 90% of the wine I've had from there is like really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like what I would say for, and then Riesling from Alsace, Al- Alsatian Riesling, probably more than German Riesling. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I think my, let's see, my, my one pointer, not on. Oh, and Gewichtstraminer. Oh yeah. Well, I just love saying that because yeah. I can never, I, I always mispronounce it. That's like a German sweet wine, right? No. So it means like sweet and spicy mm-hmm. or something. It's not. It can be. It can. It's like anything in German wine. It can get on the sweet side, but it's not. It's a pretty complex wine with good acid and little sweetness. And 
Say it, say it the right way. Gewetztraminer. Gewetztraminer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. I've got a bottle of it at home, and I always just say, let's let's have some of the Gewetztraminer. Oh, that works. <laughs> and <laughs> everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say it. Um, well, so what I was what I would say is, if you are hosting Thanksgiving, my you know sort of pro tip would be to do whatever you can do to get things done in advance to just make the actual day itself um, simple. And you'll stress no matter what, right? Like, so you should just reduce that level of stress. Take out all of those wild cards, um, you know, and that includes making stock ahead of time, making the stuffing ahead of time, spatchcocking your turkey. Spatchcock is like, yes, it's a funny word and it's nouveau, like all of a sudden everybody is doing it, but like there's a reason that culinary professionals are all spatchcocking their turkeys because it comes out better. It comes out of the oven quicker. Um, it's nicer looking like the skin is crispy on the outside and everything like that. It's just makes, it'll make your life so much easier. And it's one of those few things that is a hack that you're not sacrificing something, you know, you're not, the only thing that you're sacrificing is that look of a whole turkey on but, your table, which you're going to take away and carve anyway. But you get to take a picture of it, put it on Instagram and say, hashtag spatchcock. Yes. And you will, that's, there you go. That right there, hashtag, hashtag spatchcock. Just take your phone out and look at hashtag spatchcock right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I spatchcock chickens and put them whole chickens and put them on the grill during the summer with a little bit of lemon olive oil and some herbs and you know a chicken that normally would roast in the oven for an hour is done in a half hour 40 minutes on the grill with like perfectly chicken a perfectly crisp chicken skin um because it's spatchcocked so spatchcock so i guess i think that those are my those are those are that's my big pointer right like is just make it as easy as possible enjoy the day cuz that's really what it's about. It's a non like there it's it, don't put pressure on yourself to make Thanksgiving this great amazing thing. I think it was designed to not be this like, you know, pressure filled day. It was designed to relax and give thanks and you know, there's you don't have to worry about presents like you do with Christmas. You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, anything. You just have to worry about your crazy relatives coming over. Um, you know, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, weird tension because that's just always happens when relatives and get together. You have your cousin that bet on the Lions game and, yeah, you know, he shouldn't have because it's the Lions. And... <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, that's my whole thing about Thanksgiving is that people put so much pressure on themselves to have this like perfect looking Thanksgiving. You know, Thanksgiving is something different to everybody. And that's what makes Thanksgiving awesome. That's what makes this this country you know, awesome with the, with Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is a perfect representation of this country where everybody just puts what it, puts their little spin on Thanksgiving. It can be as fancy, it can be as ethnic, it could be as, you know, as casual as you want it to be. And, you know, that's why I love it. Mike's like, he remembered something. I have something. a huge thing. Okay. If you, um, if you aren't doing Thanksgiving this year, if you're going out for Thanksgiving this year, uh, whatever restaurant that you're going to, that staff, the dishwasher, the cooks, the servers, the bussers, the management, they're not with their family. Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick more than more than <laughs> any other day of the year. Don't be because most places are closed Christmas. Not many places are, are closed Thanksgiving. Yeah. Don't be a dick and tip well. Hashtag tip the bill. Have, yeah, you, guys, yeah. have you seen the hashtag? Yeah, tip I, the bill? I think that's like ridiculous. But like um, I've tip, done it. 
tip well. Just the, the these people aren't with their families today. And well, I would they, say that on most days, I, I would think it's ridiculous to hashtag tip the bill. So tip the bill is a movement, you know, that recognizes that these people are like busting their asses for for you. And that whatever your bill is, you should give them at least that in tip. So, you know, double your bill (laughs) pretty much when you go out. I think that's absurd. I do. I don't think it's absurd. I think that once in a while it's good. But I do think that on Thanksgiving, it is not absurd to leave a ridiculous tip. I think it should be this ridiculous, generous tip. And and that's that. If you're going to go out for Thanksgiving. And and if you're going to, like, order pizza or Chinese food, same thing. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Just whoever's... If someone that isn't your family, if you're paying for food, someone's not with their family. Yeah, I mean, we used to um, back in back in the days before kids, um, we used to go to the bar after Thanksgiving. You know, because everybody is home, everyone's in your hometown, everyone's back. So after Thanksgiving, one of the bars would open. It would open at like six o'clock at night, and we'd all show up at the bar and we would drink and. I was talking to one of my friends who was a bartender there, and he said it was the best night of the year because it wasn't the craziness of the night before Thanksgiving, which is always a big party night, but it was really just a fun, generous crowd that was there because they wanted to see their old friends because they all wanted to hang out, and that he got the most tips that night because people just were generous because they realized that this guy's given up his Thanksgiving evening to, you know, to be a bartender. So be generous Thanksgiving. Be thankful for what you have. Um, eat good food. And anything else to add, Mike? Have fun. Have fun. All right. Well, thanks Thanks for joining us. And thanks again to Radio Rampa for allowing us to use our studio in beautiful Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, and hopefully we'll be, do, be doing a lot more of these from here soon. Yeah, so, big, big things coming. Yes. <laughs> All right. Until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Mike. And that's the Not A Foodie Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. you. Foodie.